1: Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number five. Very dramatic. Yes.
0: Yeah, so uh, episode number five, we're going to jump to uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. So for the last uh, couple of, uh, well actually the... All the episodes we've done up until this date, uh, we've been dealing with Kirk and company. So this is our first foray into something new. So these uh, three comics came out uh, during the uh, first season of Star Trek The Next Generation in uh, what 1987 or 88. So we'll just jump right into the uh, issue number one, which uh, has a cover date of February 88, entitled Where No Man Has Gone. Where No What? Oh, Where No... No, it says No Man.
1: Does it? No no. one. Oh, sorry. No one. Big difference between original Trek and next gen. That's true. true. Less sexist. All right. So
0: it starts off with Picard uh, recording his captain's log, and he's lamenting about his woes of having families and children aboard the Enterprise. Uh, The Enterprise is on its way to an unknown sector of space to contact a brand new race. Dr. Crusher and Wesley arrive on the bridge, and Picard uh, is irritated and sends them away, uh, again grumbling about why is their children on the ship. Uh, as Picard is speaking with uh, the head of the planet, they get attacked. The leader states that it was not them doing it. Uh, then uh, Picard decides to beam down to the planet to uh, meet with them face to face. Uh, most of the crew, uh, Riker, Yar, Troy, Geordi, and Data, are included in the away team, so we get the Unit B crew uh, called to the bridge. This includes uh, Mr. and Mrs. Bickley uh, to man the and navigation stations, and they bicker quite a bit. Uh, again, Picard complains that uh, there shouldn't be families aboard the ship. Uh, Picard goes away to see the away team off and is confronted by the Crushers. Wesley demands that uh, they beam down and kick their butts. And again, Picard grumbles and uh, not too pleased with this. Uh, the way team beams down to the surface and they get attacked. Geordi and Troy scan their environment with uh, their sensors, uh, which is in Geordi's uh, visor, and Troy uses her senses to uh, find the attackers. And they see a gigantic uh, Hellblazer tank. Uh, so they keep getting attacked, and they split up. Aboard the ship, the leaders of the planet keep telling Picard that uh, they did not receive the away team, and, and again, it's not them doing the attacks to the ship. Uh, the away team is able to overpower the Hellblazer and the army, and then they find out that uh, that these people have only been playing some sort of war game. Uh, the aliens start uh, crying, basically, and telling the Federation not to tell on them to the planet's leaders. Uh, the crew is uh, beamed aboard a, the leader's ship and come to find out the leaders are little kids. Uh, they ask Picard to beam over and join them. Um, while Picard is beaming over, he's complaining to Wesley about children, and then he's confronted with these little kids, and it ends. So I'm assuming that's supposed to be kind of a, <coughs> a funny little end, that uh, the whole episode he's complaining about children, and they come to find out the new race is little children.
1: Yes, and the additional twist is that... Though they look like children, they are actually the adults, oh. and the people and the aliens that look like adults are actually the children. The children. So there's another twist. Yeah,
0: just like uh, Mork and Mindy, they, uh, if you recall, Mork and Mindy, uh, Mork's race, the uh, orcs, I guess they were called, because he was <laughs> work, work for work. work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know, I know. They also grew backwards. So when he had a child in season three or four, and it was played by Jonathan, Jonathan Winters. Uh, they established that uh, the orcs uh, age backwards. So I just thought it was funny that uh, this planet also ages backwards. All right. So uh, overall, what did you think, kid?
1: Well, I gave it a two and a half. Uh, I thought more of it until we got to the end. Because I just thought the end was with the kids. With the kids. Yeah. I, I just I was just like, okay, whatever. I, I just I just I just thought they could have done something more with the end. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, uh, as you'll see as we go through here, uh, I I have things that I do like about this comic. I'm just not crazy about the end. Overall,
0: I thought it was good. Uh, I kind of thought the end was a a little humorous, uh, only in that he's been complaining about children the whole time. And that uh, obviously Riker knew what he was getting into and didn't warn him at all. Just, hey, come over here and meet these guys. Check it out. (laughs) Alright, so the cover of this issue has a pretty cool shot of the Enterprise, I thought. Enterprise D, the the actual cover. Um, it doesn't quite look like a comic book painting, but uh, it looks pretty cool, I think.
1: Yeah, and it looks like they've got like um, like spec kind of stuff taken out of like the uh, technical, you know, Star Trek technical manuals or something. Yeah, with like the blueprint looking thing. Exactly. Star Trek blueprints. That's actually, I think that's what I was, was thinking of. Oh. Okay. Because I definitely have, uh, have old. Books that was Star Trek blueprints, and I got another one, Star Trek Technical Manual, mm. and they had stuff like this. Of course, that was all original, uh, the original series, not uh, not next gen. But yeah. So this uh, so when this, this issue good. when this
0: issue with the stand, that's the first time we we get to see Enterprise D. So it was it was kind of a cool issue. Uh, unfortunately, I did not have this issue. I actually started collecting uh, with issue number four, huh. so I always wanted to go back and get these issues <clears> and. Uh, a few years ago, um, I went into a, a, a used bookstore, and sure enough, they had issue number one, two, and three, so I ah. finally had them. You get your wish. Yeah. That's great. I wish the story was a little bit better, since I uh, had a lot of high hopes built on it right. over the
1: last few years, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think the first, uh, the first page of the book, uh, other than the uh, M&M's commercial, is, I thought there was a nice uh, graphical way of doing the uh, opening. Right. On the TV show. Yeah,
0: showing the Enterprise getting closer and closer, um, and showing a whole bunch of
1: little shots of a space scene. Exactly. And, okay. and they even have the overlays, space, and then they have multiple uh, different space shots, little little rectangles all together. And you notice widescreen. Yeah. And then the final frontier, you know, around the uh, th- fourth one. That's good. And then at the very last one of this, uh, what, six, six series, uh, little, little sub-starfield uh, things, The Voyages of... And then, bam! Turn the page. Exactly. And you got a two-page layout, very nice uh, shot of the Enterprise, uh, with all kinds of interesting uh, planets and swooshy stuff, and the kind of stuff that probably you wouldn't see in a real space shot, but it, it, looks, it looks pretty cool. Because there's just too much stuff. Yeah, and, well, and the, it looks great.
0: And the color is really dramatic. You have a lot of like yellow from the sun, and then you have the black background, and then you have the Enterprise uh, swooshing in the front. It look, yeah. looks pretty nice. It looks really good. And then you have like a little picture of Picard up in the right-hand corner. Uh, I guess uh, giving his little monologue. Yep. Uh, boldly going where no one has gone before. Mm-hmm.
1: Looks good. I oh, like that. I agree. One of the high points of the book. Yeah.
0: And then on, uh, page four, um, uh, these are numbered down at the bottom, page four, uh, you get, again, uh, Picard kind of talking about how, uh, he's not too thrilled with the children and families being on board, but what's funny is that, uh, I was looking at this book, uh, this book was reprinted in a graphic novel called, uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation, The Beginning, mm-hmm. and it was these first six issues, and, uh, this page, for whatever reason, is like split out into two different pages in that in that graphic novel. Hmm. I mean, obviously the reason why is because the you'll see that we have a two to two page spread that needs to be on the same uh, facing pages, but uh, so they just split this. So about where Picard's head ends or yeah. starts, that's where the first page ends, and then he's over on his own page, and you have like his feet and everything. So there's actually more okay. art in the the graphic novel than what we get here in the in yeah. the actual issue. Cool
1: and of course the graphic novel I assume doesn't have all of the uh the ads. Uh, exactly. Yeah, all the ads. Nice. There's
0: no uh M- no PC model builder or M&M commercials. Yeah. Uh when we actually get to the like the two-page spread of the the, the bridge page spread. Yeah, the the two-page spread where actually you're introduced to all the characters for the first time. Uh I just have to note that throughout this comic book every male character looks like uh Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, <laughs> these guys are ripped, ripped, and every woman is like perfectly proportioned, Perfect. and uh, A- as we'll see later, that some of them are kind of revealing uh, costumes, uh, nice but, outfits,
1: yeah, yeah. And and again, my my, my constant uh, favoritism towards Yar is is definitely in full force in these comics. I've yeah. always liked Yar. Well, they've got to squeeze a lot of yarn in because uh, she she's, not gonna be along, she's not going to be
0: alone. she's not going to be around too much longer.
1: Yeah, so <coughs> when, um, you know, what, one of the things that struck me and I wrote a note about is uh, when I came to this page, I was saying, uh, what a difference between the gold key comics and this. There's uh, a, a lot of detail, a lot of cool stuff, uh, not a lot of making stuff up. I mean, this is a reasonably accurate depiction of the, uh, of the TV show Bridge. Yeah, <clears throat> the right. two-page spread with the Enterprise looks great. No exhaust. You know, no, there, 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 there's no plumes of flame coming out of the back of the of the nacelles or the engineering section. Um, it, 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 it really much higher quality. No, although, I although I completely agree with your comment about how everybody is just so either muscular or all this kind of stuff. It, it's a little distracting, but um, and not accurate. But whatever. Other things that are not accurate. Um, Data I don't, I don't know that it goes into it here But uh, definitely there's multiple references In all of these comics About uh, Data having emotion
0: Right yeah. I'm
1: excited to do this yeah. uh, I yeah. feel trepidation to do that Yeah he actually says he feels stuff Exactly on. Yep. And, uh, and of course in the TV series He does not have that ability until the emotion chip He, he gains the emotion chip but that's that's actually way, act, that's actually in the first it's, movie. It's in the movies. Right. No So uh, you know, that was a little that was a little distracting. I don't know why they decided to do that, but whatever. Well not only that, but
0: also Troy has like supernatural powers. Uh I think that in this paper where she could actually sense where uh, or like predict if they were gonna hit trouble uh yeah. traveling to this planet, so she's like more of a fortune teller than any type of counselor or yeah. empath that she's uh displayed or depicted as in the show um you know in their defense though this this comic book was written and created before the very first t v episode was ever released, so mm-hmm. kind of maybe with the gold key they they were given what these characters were going to look like and uh you know some brief descriptions but they probably didn't have a a really good idea of uh, exactly what was going to happen in the yeah. show um i did read where the the guy who created all the um, displays and stuff for the next generation mm-hmm. uh he was still working on uh the actual sets when uh, dc comics approached them and said they weren't gonna do a comic book and if he had anything that uh, he could give them so that they could make it as accurate as possible. So, you know, he had to rush to try to put this stuff together and he was taking pictures of everything mm-hmm. and he sent it on the DC comics and he said when he got this first issue he was like, There it is, that's all my work. Mm-hmm. You know, here in a comic book page, even though he'd already been making several episodes of the show so I just right. I just think that's funny. That's cool. But that's good that they had that eye for detail.
1: They wanted they wanted this to be as accurate as they could. And that was good. Yeah, very good. Um, another, thing, another quick comment is, uh, seeing Jordy on the bridge, Yeah, uh, I, I had forgotten, I mean, he was the helmsman, right? Right. Or, yeah, right. Yeah. So I had forgotten he was the helmsman. I mean, yeah. when he switched over to engineering, that's what I always thought of him as being exactly. engineer. Well, because he, he defined that role so well. He was the chief engineer. Yeah, he was. And he was quite good at that. Right. It's just that really, how likely is it somebody's going to go from helmsman to chief engineer? It seems like kind of different... Right skill sets. Well, if you remember
0: the in the first uh, season, until Yard dies, uh, Worf and Geordi were always the helmsman. So if it wasn't Jordy it was Worf. So they always right. switched. And then uh, when Yard dies, yeah. he, he gets promoted to security.
1: So that which also is, seems like a little leap. Which is like perfect. Hello, Klingon on board. You want him in security? Why? Can he be trusted? Of course he can. Oh, He's okay. Worf. Okay. Uh, uh, Alright, so when we get to the
0: the uh seventh page where the ensign's giving Picard a little cup of coffee and uh Riker's all really laid back there. Yeah. Um Yeah, really laid back. Yeah. It, Riker has red hair. So oh, his, wow, he his does hair have... is the exact
1: same color as his uh, very muscular chest. How odd. Yeah, because I've been looking at this in, in black and white, so I, I did not I did, was not aware of that. How stupid his hair shouldn't be red. Anyway, I guess they must have figured they had to punch it up a little bit. Now, you'd think that the uniforms would be enough color, but... Right. And, and look at Troy. I mean, geez. I mean, she's got a tiny head compared to her svelte uh, form. Yeah, she's... And another thing is this Ensign guy who's given the tea. Yeah. Ramond. Well, I mean... Thank you, Mr. Ramond.
0: What's wrong with that? I and mean, is it Ramond or Raymond? <laughs> I prefer to say Ramond. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. All right. I do think it's funny when when Riker's all laid back and crossing his legs, kind of sitting Indian style. Yeah. uh, And
1: and it does make it look like the seats are floating. Yeah. Well, I thought that was kind of cool
0: that they didn't have to do all the background Mm -hmm. because that would kind of distract what you were supposed to look at.
1: Yeah. Where he's just a little too comfortable. All right. Another interesting thing I found about this, which you find out in, in novels in general, is interesting so so there's a spot where it's showing Riker alone and he's thinking reacting to what uh Picard said um and he's saying still a bit uh conscious of Picard's reputation trying to relax trying a little too hard so that was an interesting uh insight into Riker and how he was first reacting to Picard uh you don't yeah, I mean, you 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 really don't get those kind of insights into the characters in the show, right? Because they would have to actually start telling somebody this, and this is definitely yeah. something he would keep. To or himself. they would do the the kind of stuff as they did in uh, Dune, the movie Dune, where you you hear their their thoughts.
0: Yeah, but they never did that on Star Trek, unless you no, were doing no, I uh, a,
1: a captain's log
0: or some sort of log. Right.
1: I completely agree. I'm just saying I mean and the same thing about the opening with uh, with uh, Picard's thoughts
0: right I mean you well, get a lot I, of, I thought that a lot was lot part of, info of about his thoughts. yeah about. but that was that was his captain's love though
1: yeah, well, Captain's Log is a good. Yeah, Captain's Log is a good um, mechanism for being able to get inside the Captain's.
0: Right, room. and I think we talked about this in an earlier episode. That yeah. was, you know, like every time the old track and and all the other ones would go to commercial break, and then you would come back, and Kirk would be all chained up somewhere, and yet somehow he's giving this Captain's Log <laughs> to yeah. to kind of refresh everybody who uh, we went, went and got a soda or something. Yeah, or a tune in late or something. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I agree that it's a nice little uh, way to do it. All right, so uh, they get to the uh, planet. Well, actually, before they get to the planet, Crusher and uh, Wesley Crusher come on board on the bridge, and it's page 9.
1: Yeah.
0: And nah. she is, like, they have her, you know, they have it all weird, where the it's not really a a, a normal comic panel. It's kind of all slitted to the side. Yeah. and You Very get to artistic. see her whole Very body, and, and she looks pretty good. She looks damn hot
1: and if i may just just mention on a previous page uh page uh, 8 um the yar booty yar there's a shot of yar <laughs> up at the uh at her station from behind and she's looking pretty good from behind i'll tell you yeah and, and uh, Worf's head is just slightly
0: to the side so yep. you get to see full uh full yards yep. but yeah but uh if if i can right above that on the very top uh top row right. far right hand panel uh, on that page, it shows Worf at uh, a console, and mm-hmm. yet uh, it looks like his hands are just kind of floating yeah. there. It's like they didn't draw the
1: the console that he's supposed to be at. Yep, man, yeah, they didn't. They didn't do that. Also, what's this about? Uh, here, here's one of his uh, his lines, uh, Worf. Hmm. Stuff like diameter and current distance from us. Not a whole lot more we can tell at this range, sir. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, since when does Worf say you sly like stuff? That's true. I didn't even catch he's that. He's kind of formal, typically.
0: And especially now because he this would be fairly new. He's he's brand new to the the Enterprise.
1: Yeah.
0: <coughs> so uh, I haven't watched the first season of the Next Generation in a long time. Mm. Wesley makes a comment that you know he's so happy to be on the bridge for the second time. It sounds mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Uh, did he go to the bridge and encounter at Farpoint? Point? I mean, I'm assuming that oh, this think, comic
1: book must take place right after Encounter at Firepoint. Well, I'm pretty sure he was on the on the bridge in Encounter at Firepoint, because I think they established the fact that uh, that Picard didn't like kids on the, on the right. bridge, especially yeah. Wesley. I remember
0: that, but I just don't remember when that was.
1: I think it was the first Encounter at Firepoint, I think. But okay. like you, it's been quite a while. Yeah. Um, another thing, a general comment about Wesley, the way they've written him in here, he's really annoying. He's a pushy, annoying little cuss. And he was never annoying in the show. Is that what you're saying? Well, but not in that way. (laughs) I mean, he's a pushy, arrogant little sob, kind of in these. I mean, he's like in in Picard's face, telling him how he should uh, kick butt. Exactly. He's like, well, Wesley was annoying, but he was never that way. Yeah, he never was. Whatever. Yeah, he
0: was always uh, happy for whatever bone Mm -hmm. Picard threw him, and wasn't too pushy. I didn't think. Mm -hmm. I do remember one time he just shows up on the bridge without being asked, and Picard gives him a, a lecture
1: yeah. in the show, but yeah.
0: that's about it. Yeah, another
1: thing is um, um, Beverly is pretty pretty pushy, too. Yeah, just, uh, why aren't
0: you letting him on the bridge? Yeah. This, is, this is my
1: boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and she was never that way. No, she wasn't. And what about all my, uh, all my requisitions or something? Right. Excuse me, we're in the middle of trying to deal with an alien situation. She had to have
0: some reason to be on the bridge and uh, there when they get attacked for the first time. Mm-hmm. And you notice that when they get attacked, they all fall to the ground. <laughs> even, even Worf, who was seated in the, in the previous uh, panel, it shows him all laying on the ground. And
1: yeah. Yar, who was standing behind him, is even further away. So, uh, which, which, again, I might have made this comment before. I think we might have discussed this before with inertial dampeners.
0: Well, the uh, Why it's being hit by something
1: ever? that it wasn't prepared to compensate for. So there's a brief little jar. Okay, I will say again, if you've got, okay, so the, so I, I read this uh, in I think it was the science of Star Trek or something like that. So they were talking about inertial dampeners. Uh,
0: okay,
1: or the physics of Star Trek was physics the physics of Star Trek, right? And they're talking about inertial dampeners, and they're saying basically with the kind of speeds they're talking about and stuff, if you didn't have inertial dampeners. That were flawless. You would be a stain on the wall. <laughs> yeah. Every time they went to warp or all. Yeah, exactly. Or 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 stopped. You know, they they went from warp five to a dead stop. I mean, it's like, how do you do that? Well, they do fall out with... of their chair. Well, I know, but that's the point. If you do not have perfect inertial dampeners to protect you from these big, you know, big movements, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, then then you'd have that ability even for the little stuff. Right. I, I agree. But, I don't know. But it, it's, it, it was a point they pointed out, and it was like it was like one of those reality things. It's like, don't burst my bubble. <laughs> I want this to be real someday. And, and I, I want to see them all on the ground trying to get
0: back up. There you go. All right. So uh, they decide to go to the planet. Um, I don't really have anything until uh, we get to Unit B. So uh, if you have anything before that, let me know.
1: No. Let's, let's talk about Unit B. All
0: right. So Unit B... Uh, You hear Picard on the intercom saying, Unit B, report to the bridge immediately. And then you see this turbo lift door open, and you see a red-headed guy wearing a normal uh, engineering-type shirt, so it's yellow. But there's, like, no pants, and thigh-high boots, and
1: a flowing green cape. Yes, and of course, he has incredible red hair. Yes, yes. And he's, like, all posed,
0: muscular, like he just came out of, like, Mr. Olympic... uh, Competition with this big, gigantic, flowing cape, and then he he jumps out of the turbo lift, and then shortly after comes a uh, like blondish, brown-haired woman wearing a red um, a red uh, shirt with again no pants and the thigh-high boots, and another flowing green cape. Yeah, and these people are identified as Mr. and Mrs. Bickley, which I find is funny because they're very bickering throughout the whole thing so I keep calling them the bickerlees but and mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's probably why they named them that
1: yeah I think so
0: but yeah they look totally like uh like they're wearing a wonder woman type uh one piece superhero suit with a big flowing green cape yeah and uh I was going to complain about that uh, more than I probably will now because you know Worf is wearing his little golden sh- sash thing and Brigard yeah. never has a problem with that um, in the first season, there was men in the background who were wearing little skirts. Uh, they were wearing the little Troy uh, skirt outfit. They never were in the front, but you can see them in the background, especially in an Encounter at Farpoint. when they're oh, yeah. doing the saucer separation. You'll yeah. see men wearing these little skirts. skirts? Yes, yes. Wow, I gotta yeah, a look at go that. Go back here. and rewatch it. So the people who are making this comic book, you know, they're they're getting what they have. He's wearing a sash. This. These mm-hmm. people are wearing skirts, so I guess they can just wear whatever uh,
1: their heritage comes from, I guess. I don't know. I'm just yeah. guessing. But uh, So I suppose that's the explanation for why they put in superhero-look people, characters. Well,
0: I think that they just uh, were trying to make everybody look as perfect as possible.
1: Perfect. What's perfect about a cape? Oh, 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 I'm
0: talking about just the normal people. Yeah, the the keep the cape people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they just—it's a comic book. We got to have some capes. Yep. Uh, the guy who wrote this, Michael Carlin. He he wrote quite a few Star Trek uh, uh, next gen episodes. Not next gen, but Star Trek issues for the oh uh, for the DC Comics version right. of the Kirk. So we'll, we'll get to them eventually. But I did kind of look him up, and he had had a pretty good run on Star Trek before this. Mm, so. Cool. Uh, but, but what I was going to say is that uh, you remember how much grief Picard gives uh, Ensign Rowe about that little earring that she oh, wants yeah, to wear? Yeah. And yet he never says anything to Worf about his sash, mm-hmm. and obviously he, he didn't mind the Bickleys wearing superhero suits. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just never liked that. I thought it was out of character for him to give her such a hard time. All right, so um, what do you got
1: up until they uh, decide to beam, beam away? Well, on page 7, or 17 rather there's a lot of, uh, again, seeing inside Picard's head, right. which tees things up again for the encounter with Wesley. So, um, again, I, I like the idea of seeing inside of uh, Picard's head a little bit.
0: Right, yeah. That's the beauty of comic books. Yeah, yeah. But then...
1: And then on... Wesley, Wesley comes in, and he, he's... he's it, Wesley looks really small in these things. Yeah, I mean, he, 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 he looks he, younger. And then, and like, like <clears throat> Picard's absolutely towering over him with this massive physique. And then it looks like Wesley's doing some kind of gang sign or something.
0: Yeah, that's on page uh, 18. Ex- on page 18? Yeah, he's kind of, has his two fingers kind of down and his thumb out. Yeah, he does yeah, kind he's of kind of game.
1: aggressive. It's like...
0: Well, what gets me is that on page 17 when Wesley first shows up, the very first thing he says is, are you going to kick their alien butts for attacking us? <laughs> and I always read that, uh, you know, kind of like a Burt Ward uh, Robin from the right. Adam West Batman. Right. So I, I just find that funny. And then Picard's like, Alien butts, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then then Crusher shows up here on page 18, and she's all like leaning up against the wall, yeah. hips are out, very yeah. very alluring, yeah. Exactly. But what's funny yeah. is that as alluring as she is, you look just right on the next page, and there's a picture of Riker, mm-hmm. all leaning up against the wall, hips out, very alluring. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Picard. Yes, yeah, so I, I wrote that on my notes. I was like, page 18, Crusher is standing very alluring. Yeah. Page yeah. 19, Riker is standing very alluring. Something for both sexes. In there this, you go. Uh, there you go. In these books. And then um, on uh, page 19, when you have Riker, I mean not Riker, uh, Picard and Tr- uh, Crusher kind of facing off. I really like the way they did that where they have kind of, it's really two panels where they kind of merged into each other. One's higher than the other. And they're just kind of facing off to each other. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Little
1: gag. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of creative. Uh, I, I'll give them points for creativity. You've seen a lot more comics of uh, more recent vintage than I have, but um, so maybe, maybe you've seen more of these kind of more uh, creative ways of laying these kind of things out. But uh, lots of creative stuff. Yeah, it videos. is
0: funny when I'm when I'm reading these. These came out when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. when I was a kid, I thought these were these are the greatest things ever. These these are really cool how the, everything's laid out. And then, now I'm looking at it and I'm like, my God, this looks old. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to uh, how they do the things now. Exactly. Um, when they when they actually beam over, uh, if you look on page 21, uh, and page 20, the, uh, the transporter chief, she's kind of like a green alien-looking mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And she has a big, gigantic samurai helmet-looking thing. Yeah, yeah. So again, she's got
1: some 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 unique shoulder uh, parts to her uniform. Also. Oh yeah, it looks kind of like armor. Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that.
0: All right, so uh, I don't really have anything else until we get to the end. Uh, the only other thing I had to say is on page 22, Jordy actually says that his visor is a tricorder. Yeah, which they I don't that's never in the movie or the TV show that I know no. of.
1: I mean, he has abilities to see in different uh like infrared bands, and stuff like that. Right, electromagnetic bands and things, but never that there's a tricorder built in. And I, and I think there's one of these where Data says he's got a built-in tricorder too. Oh yeah, maybe. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and when they're fighting that tank, you get a lot of
0: uh Data acting like he has emotions. Yeah. And these aliens, when they show up, they look like something from a Thundar the barbarian type <laughs> cartoon yeah. yeah they're very uh he man looking with the like mullet looking blonde hair and these weird looking leotard type pants right right. more of a loincloth than a leotard <laughs> all right
1: and then uh really it's pretty straightforward uh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. uh, uh right. on on the data thing he says uh so w- during the attack it's strange. When the bombs are falling, my adrenal fluid really gets flowing. It's like adrenal fluid. Well, maybe he's just trying to fit in, and he's saying what he (sighs) thinks people would say at that moment. Yeah, I guess. It's just, and and of course, to some degree, Data's faking just about everything as far as being human. Right. Um, But um, he never tries that hard in the adrenaline glands. I mean, come on.
0: Yeah. Wow, that's, that's that's he's a robot. Well, he in the second episode of the TV series, he was able to get drunk. So they they How did they him. he do that. They you know, built that in one. No, remember in the naked now when the oh, when everybody on the ship gets drunk and, and, he, basically he, and says, YAR, yeah, uh-huh, he basically says yeah, but he basically says he has some sort of fluid. Even though we see Data get torn apart a million times later in the Without series fluid, and he never
1: leaks. Yeah, so he when he does have when he's ever he's opened up and stuff, it's not like uh, aliens robot right, where, where, he, where milk comes out of their mouth and stuff right. or whatever. Yeah. no, you do It's a very dry robot. So I don't know. But hmm. yeah, maybe at this
0: point they didn't know that. There you go. All right, and then the only thing I have left, and you can tell me what you think about the rest of the story where they where they get picked up by the the, the leaders. But when they tell Picard to come over and he gets dressed up, he is wearing the. Oddest shirt. It's like, has these little wings underneath it. He looks kind of like a skydiver or something. And yeah, that's the, that's the outfit he decides to uh, put on before he uh, oh, right. goes and meets these uh, leaders who turn out to be little
1: kids. Exactly. And, and, and if you see the way it's kind of like, like sitched, uh at, at, at the, at the bottom of the shirt, right. it almost looks like one of those things he wore when he went to Riser or something. Yeah, you exactly. Know, casual stuff. Right,
0: but... Yeah, why would you wear that to go meet these people who know, have been
1: attacking you and almost killed know, your waiting? Good question. Why bother writing a dif- or putting in a different uh, uniform any way you Look at it.
0: Well, as we'll see in the next issue, uh, everybody gets new outfits uh, for
1: no real reason. Uh, yeah, for the party. Right. So we'll get to that here in a second. The so. captain's Yule log. Yeah. Yep. Which they which they give you a little uh, preview at least a little, the name little next. Captains you along. All right. Okay, issue number one. Yep. Done. Let's go. Okay, so we're starting up with the uh, second issue of the miniseries, which is titled Spirit in the Sky. As opposed to Wheel in the Sky, this is Spirit in the Sky. Which, um, I must say, is one of the oddest, most unexpected, um, uh, scripts, uh, stories that I would have ever thought of reading. Uh, but, uh, but let's 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 go ahead and see what happens, shall we? Yes, please. Instead of launching into comments so quickly. Okay. So um, in the opening, we see an alien spacecraft, later identified as the Krieg, as a Krieg vessel, uh, which is chasing a ball of fire uh, or energy through space. And really looking at it, I was not really sure what it was, whether it was a comet or something, but um, uh, th- then, the, then the ship that's uh, following them I thought was pretty cool, and I thought it was a good hook. Yeah, it gets you in there. It gets you in there. It makes you say, hey, what's that comet kind of thing? And look at that, look at that vessel, that ship. That's a very unique, a very, very unique look to it, so good hook. Okay, moving on, though. Giving my opinions too quickly. Okay, so uh, cut to the uh, scene of the Enterprise uh, streaking through space, and then on board, <clears throat> on the uh, on the bridge, uh, the crew is changing shifts. Picard, Troy, Data, Geordi are leaving Riker, Worf, and others uh, to take over the bridge so that they can attend the multicultural year-end celebrations, mm. which some this in this time period would call Christmas a Christmas party. An office Christmas party. Um, Still being pursued by Krieg, the fire energy ball, enters the Enterprise. There is a brief fluctuation of power, and people are feeling as though something went through their entire body. Power is returned to the Enterprise, and Riker believes that something in the Krieg ship must have caused it. He does, does, however, offer the Creek captain an invitation to beam over and attend the holiday celebrations. They agree to the invite and prepare to beam over. Meanwhile, the Enterprise crew, including the bickering Bickleys, are preparing for parties in some very outlandish outfits. Yeah, everybody's really dressed up. Yar and Picard head to uh, the transporter room to get the Kriegs while everyone else enjoys the Yuletide festivities. And yeah, it's pretty obvious this is a Christmas party, even though they talk about it being multicultural. Well, they have the Christmas tree. There you go. Exactly. Um, the five Krieg arrive in black ninja-type armor. Only the whites of their eyes can be seen. As the Krieg are escorted, which, by the way, they look pretty, uh, pretty threatening. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Yeah, they look threatening, but, but they're just welcomed and, and waltzed throughout the ship. Um, as the Krieg are escorted to the deck. One mistakes uh, Wesley for the energy they are chasing through space and slips away to capture him. When he gets Wesley, he realizes his mistakes, mistake and heads back with the others. Wesley also returns to the Hollow Deck and tells on the Krieg who attack him. The card does not believe uh, Wesley, and the Krieg tell the crew about the energy force they have been chasing and remove their armor to reveal their green-haired bodies uh, and large white teeth, looking very much like um, another cultural icon, which we'll go into later. Mm. Hmm. Picard orders Data and Geordi to scan for it, but they cannot find anything of this creature. Wesley, uh, feeling dejected, leaves the party, and Troy follows. Troy believes him and can sense the Force herself. Just then, they are confronted by a Krieg, just as the Krieg ship causes the power within the Enterprise to fail. Wesley bests the warrior, amazingly, and Troy tries to read the Krieg's mind. The Krieg mistakes this act as trying to drain him and escapes. The Krieg have weapons from their ship beamed over, and the fight ensues. The energy that the Krieg is searching for is visible to Jordy's visor. He sees it enter Data and the Krieg commander. Everyone is chasing the energy until they end up on the bridge. There, the energy is fading out. Then Data and the Krieg commander suggest that instead of attacking it, they should send good feelings towards it. You know, that is so (laughs) obvious. I'll tell you.
0: Well, that's because Data has feelings, and he felt it when it was inside of him, that
1: all he needed was love. Exactly. Okay. That's, okay. As, as they do it, uh, as they do it, and <laughs> as they send all these good vibes right. towards this, uh, this uh, spirit that only some of them can see, uh, it starts to plump up. Like when you're cooking a a, a hot dog. (laughs) Plumps up into a Santa figure. It looks like Santa. And enters everyone on the Enterprise and Creek ship. Thus, it spreads the Christmas spirit to everyone. The end. God bless us, everyone. God bless us. Okay. So, I gave... I rated this one. A two. A two. And I thought that was generous. <laughs> because at least the end of the previous issue was lame. Yes. This one got lame, I gotta say, as soon as you saw that the Krieg, once they removed their ninja outfits, looked pretty much like the Grinch. Not pretty much. They were spot on. They had yeah. the big, gigantic buck teeth and the fuzzy
0: little do top Head, I whatever agree. You want to go but like
1: most things, they're incredibly muscular, overly muscular, right, but yeah, so it's pretty obvious I mean right there when you when they are uncovered about halfway through the story, you get the feeling this is gonna be uh
0: right well before they're uncovered, you kinda already see that or no, you don't see it, and shortly after they're uncovered as being uh muscular grinches yeah uh that's when jordy kind of notices that it's kind of taking shape and he says that it's kind of turning into a, a man with a beard kind of thing right and so even right away right there you're like is this santa <laughs> <laughs> Santa's some alien ball of fire flying through this through the uh
1: through the space exactly to deposit his goodwill now, now, I don't think we should, should spend an overly large amount of time on this issue. I, I do. just don't think it's that good. But, so maybe we can kind of jump around a little bit. Um, the first place I'd like to go is seven, unless there's something you'd like to say. Uh,
0: the only other thing I wanted to say is on page two, uh, Worf says he's, he does celebrate the coming of the gods. No, oh. But uh, I always thought that Klingon was a monotheology-type god. They only had Calus, right? Or do they have other
1: gods? Um, I mean, is it more like... Greek I, 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 think, I I think they have older um religious things that are actually more like the Norse gods. Oh okay. I think. Uh but I really don't know that they really uh pay much heed. I mean I think that's just mythology. I think they think.
0: Yeah. Alright, so then uh page seven, that's that's where I wanted to start as well. So uh you get uh Picard, um Troy and uh Yar getting dressed and they're they're And the Bickleys. Well, the Bickleys are on the bottom. Yeah, you right. do get to see uh, Mrs. Bickley in just her in underwear, her which is always nice. Yes, yes. But uh, these 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 top three are the ones I really want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so you have uh, Troy, and she's kind of like all like really like. 1950s pinup looking painting
1: yeah. or, of like yeah, you know uh, and, and, and her and her outfit looks a little bit like almost like a greek goddess or something
0: right and she has her legs kind of crossed in this alluring way and yeah. she's kind of in like a looks like an egg almost but the egg is supposed to be some sort of like 360 type mirror thing yar mm. has one too but it doesn't quite look as egg-like as uh, Troy's does right and she's like holding this like weird perfume mirrors what is that
1: i don't know but it it, it looks like a two iron if you it, think, does. If you look at part it of does it does
0: it looks like a, a two iron on a stick like, a, yeah. like a, if you made a weather vane out of a head of a golf club
1: <laughs> yeah funny and then uh, you get yar yeah a yar who looks like some kind of bondage babe
0: yeah, you know, she's, and all the leather thing and she's stuff. She's wearing, like, this black leather-looking spandex-looking thing Arr. with lots of holes throughout it. So you get to see, like, her shoulders are completely uncovered, and yet her arm and, and chest is. And then she has the same thing going on down at the legs. Yeah, and it's
1: cut such a way that you can see the, 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 the side beginnings of her, of her breast. Mallory glands. <laughs> Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. But then
0: Picard looks like he's wearing that same uh, skydiving suit. (laughs) But what's funny is that when I looked at this one, I noticed that the skydiving suit has these pips, or they're larger than pips, but he has four of them there on his chest. And then, as you'll see later on, all of them, even though they're wearing these really gaudy-looking outfits, Mm -hmm. uh, they do have their rank somewhere
1: somewhere on the costume, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, so they all ha- kind of, like, have, uh, they're out of their uniforms, pretty much, and into, like, civvies. Right. But still. Um, but, but even they, in. They, they, I agree with you. They, they seem to have rank pips. And then in the, in, the,
0: in the show, they get out of their clothes all the time, and I don't remember pips being on their civilian that, wear. Exactly.
1: And, of course, their civilian wear is outrageous. I mean, uh, <laughs> Data. Data looks like, like, um, like a member of the Jets, or maybe the Sharks. Pick either one. But he looks like some kind of gang member, uh, with no sleeves. Yeah, he's wearing just like this vest. A vest kind of thing, and you can and, see his ch- bare chest. Yeah, and he's wearing and a he's weird got necklace
0: his... too, like a like a band or something, like a exactly. collar on his neck.
1: Right, and and then he's got these huge uh, mask, you know, muscular arms and stuff, and it's like, uh, hmm. and it's purple. It's purple and pink,
0: very manly. So when I first looked at it, and you know, I didn't know... T- that that he has, like, a wearing a collar or something. It kind of looked like an ascot. And I'm like, what are they trying to do today to data here? <laughs> Good question. But, the, and then Wesley's outfit I thought was kind of funny. He's wearing, like, a, he has, like, a little tie. Like a, like a sailor-type tie. Like, has the little thing in the back, and then it comes oh, to the like front. like, little a little strap, Kind of like of... a, like a, what is it, a, the Boy Scouts? Their little bandana that they wear? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, they go to the, uh. Festivities on, a on on page seven, you'll see that they're all going to like this big like auditorium thing. It looks like a a football stadium or something, uh, where you have to actually climb these stairs to get up into. And then up at the top, you see this big Starfleet emblem, and it looks like there might even be a revolving door of some sort there. Mm-hmm. But is that supposed to be outside of the holodeck? So that's how you get into the holodeck here in this comic book? Because it's I, I thought to... that was
1: the entrance to, to to their bigger holodeck. I don't know, but. They don't have a bigger holodeck in the car- in the show.
0: It's just I don't know little one random little door on the in the
1: yeah. And really, when you look at it, I mean, this looks almost like a hall. It's just a big huge hall, and they've got actually when you go inside of it, you see that they've got snow. I mean, they've actually got like a ski run here. Yeah, they got a mountain, and they got a, a Christmas tree all decorated with stuff. Okay. I, I don't see what, what do they call that. Uh... That Hanukkah thing with the lights? Oh, the uh, menorah? Menorah? Yeah. I don't see one of those. I don't see those. that. I don't see that.
0: But remember, uh, different holodecks are celebrating the uh, festivities in different ways. So the, oh. maybe there's a Jewish, uh, a Jewish uh, room later on. Yeah. Uh, when they're chasing the Santa, we kind of glanced over it in the synopsis, but they keep going to all these different... Uh, celebration rooms and you'll see some rooms have like different creatures celebrating the uh, the uh, holidays in different ways yeah. but the bickleys are all complaining until they get underneath the uh, mistletoe. The mistletoe. And then they have a nice little kiss they pause long enough to kiss and exactly. then they, they go right back again. to it
1: yeah <clears throat> what a horrible way of living uh
0: just real quick the uh advertisement there after page eight is for the sega master system uh, which came out the same time as the Nintendo Entertainment System. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the one that I bought. So uh, I had, <laughs> when I was a little kid, I had to choose between the Nintendo, which was gray and kind of boxy looking, or this super sleek looking black Sega Master System. Mm-hmm. And you know they were both brand new, so I was like, well, that one looks better. The games look a little bit better, so I got that one. Little did I know that Nintendo, who would opened be a up Survivor, uh, Nintendo. They opened up their uh, their their platform so that all these third parties could make games. So you had all these cool games like Star Trek, mm-hmm. and you had Superman, and you had Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, all the good ones. And then the Sega, they were very closed, so they only produced their own games. So the right. only games you got on the Sega Master System were Sega games. Right. So you know, I had like this very limited selection of games, while my friends who got the Nintendo was like. every movie that came out there was a new game for it I'm like I get to play I get to play Sonic someday but Sonic didn't come out until the very end of the Sega Master System's life but anyways
1: and and, and another thing that kind of makes it even more um, more interesting is the tagline for the Sega System is the challenge will always be there you Which is what? kind of ironic. I fired up my
0: Sega Master System just last weekend, so it it's still it's still there, and I'm still
1: challenged <laughs> <laughs> uh, with huge pixelated uh, graphics. Yeah, well, they're not that. Bad. Compare with today.
0: All right, so um, the only thing I have is on page thirteen. You get uh, Crusher wearing uh, Beverly Crusher uh, wearing this weird. Um, looks like foxtails kind of behind her back. Like these foxtails are coming out of her back. Yeah, and it, then looks wrapping like her all, it looks
1: like almost like a mink stole. Yeah, yeah,
0: but it's actually attached to her outfit there in the back. Hmm. So it kind of looks like, like it was a tail coming out of her shoulder blades. It's very odd looking. Very creative. All right, so we talked about a little bit Troy reading or absorbing alien's thoughts. And she has to actually touch them, yeah. which is completely different than... Than we ever see in the actual show, where she can just feel them, and uh, that's really all I have about
1: this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it just it just goes on. There's a little bit of fighting going on uh, once they do produce their weapons uh, that are transported into their hands. Very handy. Um, yep. And then and then the the, the spirit comes out <laughs>
0: uh,
1: and go like you said, like we said, goes into, into data and then also goes into the captain the creed captain the creed captain right. and look at that guy i mean when they do when they when they're disrobing and taking all their ninja stuff off man is that obvious that's the grinch
0: yeah and then i even went back to the cover and when you look at the cover knowing that you're
1: looking for the grinch he, yeah. he's definitely the grinch he's on the cover too oh, yeah. but yeah. but you see him from like like behind on the side right so you know and then i got a comment on page 19 Hot Yar! Yeah. All of a sudden, she pops up with a cape. I didn't notice the cape until this 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 panel. Oh yeah, that's right. In she the upper left-hand one. corner of uh, page 19. Yeah, she definitely has a cape on there. It's a very short cape, very fetching cape, but a cape nonetheless. Yeah, and right
0: underneath it shows data, and it shows that collar that I was telling you about, it and, looks it, like a tie. and it looks like one of those weird ties that maybe mm-hmm. Wesley's wearing. So yeah. it it. Maybe really like, skinny, tie. But yeah, he's definitely bare-chested. He looks like uh, something from the village people. <laughs> <laughs> Except it's pink. Alright,
1: anything else to talk about? Um, not really. It's just that um, I started this reading the second one. I started writing Stupid Alert, Stupid Alert... That's when things get stupid, nice. no, no, it, it is because there's a pot, there's a spot when it looks like a really skinny Santa. We talked about it before. Yeah, before he when, gets he, when the, he begins well, to plump up with all the good feelings of both crew. It's because he's dying. They I say know, but he, he he's about to die. It's just oh my god, stupid alert. Sorry, I'm sorry, but yeah, anyway, yeah. So and then and then of course the last thing it says at the end, which really turns on turns up the sugar level, is uh, after they. After, they leave, after the Santa entity leaves, and then um, it left both the Enterprise and Creed crews with more. Much more than we could have ever given it. I only hope it lasts into the new year. <laughs> yeah, so this comic had a uh, cover
0: date of February, uh, 88, and... Uh, we never really talked about it before, but cover dates are kind of usually two, three months later than they actually hit the newsstands. So this one, I'm quite positive, hit the newsstands in December and was the big Christmas episode. No, yeah. yeah, Sounds like it. All right. All right. So now we'll move straight into issue number three of this mini series, and it is entitled uh, Factor Q. All right. So this starts off with uh, Yar and Wesley playing a laser tag throughout the ship corridors. Uh, then their uh, Yar gets shot and has this big dramatic death scene, and then the uh, captain finds him and gives him a good scolding. He does that a lot in these issues. <laughs> um, about that time, an unknown and seemingly unmanned sh- uh, ship suddenly arrives uh, near the Enterprise. Riker, Yar, and two other crewmen beam over to investigate. Uh, the crew is. Uh, the crew team is split up, and they keep getting attacked by invisible enemies. Once everybody but Yar is no- knocked out, the attackers reveal themselves, and uh, Yar refers to them as Reg, R-E-G. That's how you would say it, Reg, right? Yeah. All right, so Yar uh, then is so shocked that she kind of just faints. Uh, Crusher and Troy uh, beam them back over, and they examine them in the sickbay. Uh, the bridge crew is still talking about uh, what to do with the unknown ship when suddenly Q shows up and tells them to destroy the ship immediately. Uh, they don't, and then the ship attacks them. Uh, to save the civilians, Picard separates the star drive and the saucer section, so we get another cool saucer uh, separation. Uh, then Picard just takes a single shot at the, uh, uh, at the alien ship, and then no more sh- shots from the alien ship arrive. so it was like that one shot completely knocked it out all right once the saucer section uh once away the saucer section is hit with an energy beam and wesley thinks uh it is a transporter uh, because he sees like a little um something kind of beam in but nothing actually shows up he goes to tell his mom and yar wakes up knowing that rez uh, is here assuming that it's the invisible person from the other ship uh, the saucer is then grabbed by these giant ghostly looking hands. Uh, Q and Picard bicker over uh, whether they should finish off the alien ship or not. Uh, and then Data opens up uh, a line to the ship, communication, and they can see that there's just four people over in the other ship and they, uh, they're begging the Enterprise not to attack them anymore. Uh, the Enterprise crew beams over the four people from the other ship. Uh, those people see Q, recognize him, and accuse uh, him that uh, that he promised uh, them that they would be able to destroy the Enterprise. Geordi uh, then tells everybody that they have uh, lost track of the saucer section, and Q ominously says, they have been watching, and it's to be continued. So uh, this was kind of a, just a really a lead-in or an opening to what became a two- or three-part story. I can't remember wow. if it continues on the issue number five. Um, as I was uh, said earlier, I started reading the series with issue number four. So it was actually a continuation. And so I always assumed that one, two, and three continued, and then here I am with issue number four, um, which we'll see later on that, um, well, obviously you know now, That uh, really, I only missed issue number three, uh, because issue number one and two had absolutely nothing to do with this story. All right, so what did you
1: rate this one, Ken? I gave it a two and a half. Okay. Because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't crazy about the invisible people, kind of like invisible people, it just seems weak. But um, other than that, I mean, there was nothing blatantly, you know, know, horrendously stupid about the storyline. Right. So you don't like invisible people. So you don't like uh, Predator.
0: He's kind of. Oh no, that's that, that's believable. Yeah. Okay. Just well, that's believable. Okay. 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 That's okay. All right.
1: <laughs> I, I just really hate it when there's always like some super alien whatever, and you know they can't do anything about it. Right. So what do you think about that? The that first page, the kind of the the lead
0: in where it shows um, the Enterprise, and you kind of see us. Q figure uh, Q face kind of in the cosmos kind of
1: reaching out uh, ready to grab the Enterprise I thought it was a pretty cool picture yeah I thought it was good and um, although it does I mean uh, Q looks like he just dropped out of a Mardi Gras float Uh, but it's he's uh, all sparkly and he's all sparkly and kind of like uh, all this stuff's coming up off of the top part of his body and going off kind of like big feathers or something (laughs) <laughs> I, 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 I think it's cool. I that's, think it's cool. Too. That's not feathers. That's the cosmos. The cosmos is issuing from 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 him, right? So uh, the laser tag game. What'd you think of that?
0: She actually zaps Wesley, and he falls down. It looks like a hard fall. And he, he's like, oh, oh, and he falls down. And then when she walks up there to him, he just turns around and shoots her her in the chest. Yeah. And then she does this kind of, oh, you got me, but yeah. I don't get that. Did she shoot him or not? I mean, obviously they're not using live rounds, so no, no, he wouldn't really be st- stunned,
1: but... No, they're, they're they're just playing.
0: Yeah, but... I don't
1: know. And, and then they're overacting their, um, their demise. Right. Especially in Tasha's case. Yeah.
0: I did kind of like it with, uh, you know, she's dead, has her eyes closed, and then it shows her kind of open her eyes and... Because a shadow just fell over her, and then you see Picard standing above her with his arms crossed. Yeah. I thought that actually looked pretty cool. I could see that in an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: With her eyes, like, opening really slow, and then, oh, I got caught. And then Picard says, Very entertaining, Lieutenant Yaw. An (laughs) old, winning death scene, if I've ever seen one. You do a good Picard. No, it isn't that good. I gotta work on it before (laughs) I do that again. (laughs) And
0: then she kind of com- says the reason why she's playing with Wesley is because she never had a childhood, and it kind of yeah. goes into her backstory, uh, living on that um, very harsh colony that she grew very up harsh. on. Very harsh. Which yeah. I did like that
1: episode when they when they went back to it in the original with their the sister.
0: Okay. Uh, what episode was that? That was uh, <coughs> Sisters Keeper or Legacy or something like that. I don't remember. With uh, with Yar's sister.
1: I know the titles of the of original Trek much oh, really? better than the next gen.
0: Yeah. Well, see, and I don't remember them ever establishing... And they might have, because like I said, I haven't watched the first season in a long time. But did Yar say she came from that kind of background and
1: had the rape gangs and all that stuff? Uh, I don't remember that in the first... So, yeah. I, I don't remember that until they had the, uh, the episode you the just episode. talked about. Same yeah. here. Yeah.
0: Um, but obviously... It must have been somewhere, because right here it talks in in some pretty good detail about how she had to hide from the rape gangs and all these other horrible horrible people that live on this this colony. Yeah. Which, again, I I, don't remember her ever saying it. I only remember her sister saying it. And then we actually go there while she's trying to uh, do whatever she was trying to do. She was trying to trick Picard into
1: siding with her. Yeah, something with her group. Um but of course, you I mean you're reading all this detail. It's like, well, why are they going into all this detail? And then you know, like, okay, well it must have something to do with the storyline. And right. indeed we find out it does. Well we don't know yet. We just know we that there's know somebody yet, named Reg. We were, I mean, we're, we're reading all this. Look forward. at all this detail they are going into. Yeah. This mu this must be pertinent to the to the uh to the story. Hey,
0: but look who our audience is. It's Wesley. And he's being depicted as this little like maybe eight or nine year old kid, mm-hmm. much younger he's than small. he was in the actual show. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Oh yeah, we used to get <laughs> Raped and everything. <laughs> it's like, dude, he's a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so then the, the weird ship shows up. Yeah,
1: which I think is creative. It's a creative looking ship. It just doesn't make any sense. What are the balls no, on top? <laughs> I don't know. And, and they do have... They're, they're, the balls are connected uh, to each other, but not to the ship beneath.
0: No, I think or that is that little, what this little flange little thing is? little
1: thing is supposed
0: to be some sort of connection. But yeah, it's very tenuously connected to oh, the you're star right dive. You can see in some of the other angles it is connected to the two balls. Yeah. What's funny is that when you get to page 7, you see the uh, transporter chief. Her face looks exactly like the green girl that we saw in the earlier episode who had the big helmet. Yeah. But uh, that woman was wearing a uh, blue uh, outfit and had green skin. And even though this woman is exactly shaped the same way, just without the helmet, she has pink skin and is wearing a a yellow... uh, starfleet uniform so mm-hmm. i don't know if it's supposed to be the same same woman or not i think it's probably
1: gonna be this i think it's well, the she same, just same person got
0: her skin changed or is it just the coloring method? so
1: ensign turner yeah there you go blocking coordinates ensign turner does that look like a turner to you it's more like locking coordinates ensign <coughs> <laughs> she's very alien looking very alien looking. she looks a lot like uh what
0: was his name um Alex, or something like that, the alien that uh, was in Star Trek the uh, animated series. He, he took over Chekhov's role. Uh, oh, world. Yeah, yeah. But he had a very prominent forehead like that, except he had a third arm that was coming out of the middle of his chest. So when I first looked at this, I was like, hey, it's the same species. But then I noticed no third arm. So I was like, eh. yeah. yeah, It looks, it's looks a, loss. a lot like him.
1: Alright, so fighting invisible people. You're not a fan. No. And also, I'll tell you, I think there's something lost in Next Gen where security folks no longer have red shirts on anymore.
0: And they went to yellow.
1: They've got, they got the gold, um, you know, command support, whatever, what, engineering, you know, whatever, all, all those things they lump into gold. And it's like...
0: Well, command you know,
1: now has the red, so you can't exactly. kill them off. Exactly. But the thing is, <laughs> I like the red shirt thing. I do too, but I like so, Picard to wear the
0: red because it looks very commanding. No, it, it looks good. It looks good. And you know, with uh, you know Kirk, Kirk in his uh, movie. I, I, I'm just saying but I
1: really never noticed it until this issue. I'm looking at these guys that are going to be meat, <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, they're security guys. They're going to be meat. know, oh, they don't have red shirts. Anyway.
0: They can't die. They're not wearing red shirts. Only Riker. He's the only one who can die.
1: That's right. He's got
0: a red shirt. <laughs> uh, I'll agree with you that I'm not a big fan of the uh, the. Invisible people. I do think it's funny that when they get beamed back to the uh, Enterprise... Oh, no. I thought they got <coughs> beamed straight to sickbay, but no, they're on the transporter pad and just Crusher's there to meet them. I was thinking for whatever reason, they got beamed straight to to uh, sickbay, which you don't see until later because they never did that in the original series. Beamed somewhere other than just from transporter pad to the planet. Enter ship beaming. Mm. Well,
1: no. I think... I think they did it maybe like well, on, a, on a rare occasion. I, I think and it there was were like times risky or something. I think there were times when they when they beam people directly to, to the sick bay. Oh, did they mm. on, the, on the on the series? I, I, and I thought that was like, well, that's kind of new. I'm probably comparing. Makes right. sense. I mean, didn't they? I, I, maybe I don't remember. Her. Okay. I always thought maybe, they just beam straight to I'm the
0: not. straight to the transporter pad.
1: Well, original track definitely. Right. You always had to come in on, right. on the pad. No, I know right. that in the next
0: generation they do start doing it, but yeah. I was thinking maybe this was the first time they started doing it. I don't think they did it in Encounter at Farpoint. But but they don't do it here, so let's just quit talking about it. (laughs) Moving on. But then uh, Troy does her weird, I have to touch you to read your mind or whatever, and she finds out that she's going through shock or whatever. Mm. I'm not a big fan of that.
1: Yeah. But you got to keep in mind, this this was
0: written before any episode was ever aired, so you got to give them a little bit
1: of... Yeah, but it, you wouldn't. must admit it's kind of hot. Troy's holding on to Yar. Uh, I don't see it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Kind of hot, That's all I thought i say. G- get the issue. <laughs> take take a look yourself. You know, be your own judge. There you go. And then on page 12, Q shows up
0: uh, wearing like a pirate-type outfit, and he looks absolutely nothing like Q. No, he doesn't. I mean, look at this side. I mean, this is a, l- a little
1: bit like John Delancey, but not that much.
0: Yeah, Q, I think is like one of the is maybe the only character in these uh, comics that to me doesn't look anything like <coughs> the actor who plays him. Right. Uh, even when he's just wearing a normal Starfleet uniform later on, he doesn't to me
1: look like well, Q. I completely agree, and he does not look consistent because in in this thing where he's in like the pirate kind of outfit at the beginning, right. At least there's some shots where okay, I'm a little bit like like John Delancey. But uh, in the later it, things, no, not at all. And he doesn't look much like he looked like in the earlier in the issue either, yeah. in my opinion. You're right. I think that first picture, that little painting where the, his hand is kind of
0: grabbing the Enterprise, that's the closest he looks like to John Delancey. Yeah. They're on the very first Oh, on the first page. one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I just, I just want to point out before we go yeah. off of uh, 13. Page 13. Yep. There's a thing where it says, uh, deflector shields up data. And I hate to be picky, <laughs> but deflector shields go... And they're not shields. The deflector dish goes out in front of the ship to clear away all anything that could be in their way, meteorites, whatever, so it doesn't hurt the ship. So... Is so it just the part- shields, particle shields or well, defensive shields, but they're not I mean, they're, they're, they're not, not deflector. called deflectors. Oh, okay. Sorry. There's a deflector deflector dishes are one thing. Defensive shields are something different.
0: I did not know there was a difference. I thought you were
1: going to talk I think about there is. I thought
0: you were going to talk about this picture where it shows them all like falling and like uh Jordy is at the navigation or is this the helm? Right, he's at in helmet. He's like at a ninety degree angle. He's at a ninety degree angle. He's like flying in the air. Uh, Data looks like he's doing the same thing, except he's flying the other way, uh-huh. uh, and he's not quite as extreme as Jordy. I mean, Jordy looks like he's doing a handstand. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, man, that must have been some shot that just that made somebody who was sitting down fly in the
1: air and do a flip. Exactly, that's something. <laughs> and again, I say, inertial dampers. All right. So uh
0: then um you know Q keeps changing clothes while he's trying to get uh Picard to um uh, attack that other ship. But on page 14, uh I guess Riker who was in sickbay is getting dressed. Mm-hmm. But was he naked? Cuz he's like all bare-chested and he's like doing a zipper up the front of his uh yep. chest. Every time anybody's gone to the sick bay in the movies or the shows,
1: they never get naked. <laughs> you never see them wearing those little gowns with the butt well, hanging I, out. I tell you, I mean, there's, you know, <laughs> there's a little sexual stuff going on here. They're, they're use sex cells. They got a little oh, sex are. stuff going on here.
0: Yeah, and, you know, comic books have always been notorious for that. You know, everybody wants to complain about, you know, all these female characters. Catwoman, Bat, uh, Batgirl, Storm with the gigantic uh, breasts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at the men, too, and they're all perfectly chiseled and obviously this comic book kind of followed suit
1: and that's good i mean females yeah bike books too well
0: you know what's funny is that the star trek um kirk era comics that were coming out of this era this Mm -hmm. this thing these same months they're not depicted like that they look a lot like they did in the movies they're not all
1: herculean looking Uh Well, obviously, the guys who were calling the shots on this series made certain decisions. Yeah. They're like, yeah, nobody's going to know who these guys are yet anyway. <laughs> <coughs> so we'll make them look like the rest of our, our lineup.
0: I did like the saucer separation. Mm-hmm. But what's funny is that you have, uh, when the saucer separates on page, uh, was that, 16? You have Picard with, like, his hands straight up in the air, kind of like, uh... Disengage! But why is his hands up in the air? Like, he's like... I don't know. You know, yelling at God. I don't know what it is. Reminds me of that shot from Star Trek Generations where Malcolm McDowell's waiting for the Nexus to come again. Yeah, that's right. That's what that shot looks like. That's it. I agree with that. All right. So, I don't really have a lot to talk about. Uh, It it is all set up for a later uh, issue. Hopefully, uh, I don't really remember it that well. So, I can't remember who Reg is exactly, but... I'm with you. I'm pretty sure it's somebody from the planet that she grew up on. Um, I did like when the the ghostly hands grabbed the saucer section on page. You like that, eighteen? I only liked it in that. Isn't there an episode of the original series, like uh, something Adonis or something like that, where a Man. green hand comes and grabs the Enterprise? So I just thought it was like a nice nod. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've who, seen
1: who mourns for Adonis?
0: Yeah, there you go. So, and that was a pretty dumb episode. And Was it third season? No, it was like first or second. So okay. So not, not there-
1: all the dumb ones are in the third season. It's just there's an incredible con- concentration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stupid alert on that one. All right. And, and doesn't, this, doesn't this look a little bit like the Jupiter 2? I just wanted to mention that. Which one? The... When the hands have the, have the saucer section. The Jupiter 2? Yeah. The Jupiter 2. Oh, 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 oh. From Lost it's... in Space? Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, it's a flying saucer. They I all know. look the I'm same. Just,
1: I'm just saying. It reminds me of it.
0: And then, uh, like I said, here on page twenty-one, you get Q in a yellow Starfleet uniform, with like really slicked-back hair. Looks absolutely nothing like uh, he before, John Delancey. Yeah.
1: And, or even like what he looked like before.
0: And I don't understand why he's wearing yellow, because in the in the show, he
1: always mirrored Picard's yeah. outfit or Janeway's outfit. Yep. Yeah. Because he wants to be equal yeah. of the uh, of the commanding officer, right? Yeah, good point. So why would he wear yellow? I
0: don't know. Again, I think it might be just a coloring issue. Yeah. But uh, before we go off page 21, here on page, I guess it would be 20, I don't know, there's an advertisement for Superman, the Earth Stealers. Ah, the
1: Earth Steelers. yeah, so what, what about, I never um, heard of that before.
0: Yeah, it was just like a one-shot thing that they did, and it was written by a man named John Byrne, who was really, he was really famous for, uh, he kind of rebooted Star- Superman in, in the mid-80s. Ah. They, they started over. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, depowered him and everything so that he couldn't, you know, blow out a sun with his breath and Ah. juggle planets like they were uh, balls. Uh So they made him more, uh, you know, not human because he still could do everything, but he was just not nearly as strong as he used to be. Not stupidly strong. He couldn't breathe in space and stuff like that. He was more of like a realistic superpower. Oh, he
1: couldn't breathe in space?
0: No. Which makes sense. Right, absolutely. But anyways, uh, so he was really famous for that, and this issue... I read it a long time ago, and it, it's kind of like almost a Star Treky type thing. This this probe mm-hmm. from like a, like a Star Trek Four type probe comes to Earth and is going to put it in some sort of planet collection that it has. So it's a lot mm-hmm. like Star, Star Trek, the motion picture, and Star Trek Four mm-hmm. uh, kind of mixed together. But the reason why I brought it up, John Byrne, uh, after he did Superman, and he's been writing comics ever since um, and before, he, he was a pretty famous guy. He is now writing uh, Star Trek comics for IDW Comics. He's writing, uh, he wrote a mini-series called Assignment Earth, oh. which uh, had to deal with uh, Gary Seven. Yeah. And yeah. then he did another one called uh, Romulan, so he did this whole mini-series based on the Kirk-era uh, Romulan Empire. Oh, cool. So I haven't read them, but, but I've
1: you know, thumbed through them, and they actually look pretty good. Oh.
0: So, we'll get to those eventually.
1: So, the Assignment Earth series miniseries actually took Roddenberry's idea for a spinoff series and actually did it in the comic book. Right. Yeah. They've had one miniseries
0: so far. This is, uh, you know, beginning of 2010. Um, And uh, I saw that there's plans for another miniseries. So, and they're like a six-issue miniseries, something like that. Cool. So, I I like Gary Seven. Uh, I didn't really like that episode so much, but I like what they've done with him
1: in the expanded universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, uh they've actually had a couple um a couple novels. Right, exactly. The yeah. the
0: Eugenic War thing. Exactly. The, the three parter I thought was pretty good because it tied in con and Gary Seven. Exactly. I thought it was really good. So everybody should go read that one. It was it was quite good. Yep. Alright, so that's it for this issue unless you have anything. Seems like yep. I've been doing most of the talking this one. That's fine. Alright, so uh just to kind of briefly tell you what else is going on uh, when these three issues came out in Star Trek land. Um, remember, we're going off of cover dates, not the actual date that the issue came out. So there's a, a little disconnect. So the first issue of this, uh, we'll talk about January 88. There was a uh, novel, uh, original series novel called Final Frontier by uh, Diane Ge- uh, Carey. Have you ever read that one? No. It's a prequel to another novel called Best Destiny, which... They both deal with Captain, uh, or um, excuse me, Commander Samuel George Kirk, George oh. Samuel Kirk, oh really, and the father, uh, yeah, and okay. Captain April, who was the uh, captain of the Enterprise before Pike. Oh, so in the in this one, the Final Frontier, uh, it's the main voyage of this new prototype starship, mm-hmm. which uh, come to find out at the end, when when Kirk leaves uh, Captain April to be in charge of it, he says, "You know what? You should name it." Enterprise. Nah. <laughs> so, come to find out, Enterprise is named by, uh, was named by Kirk's papa. Hmm. And then Best Destiny, which I've actually read, was actually pretty good. And it deals with, uh, again, Captain April of the Enterprise. It's now called Enterprise. And uh, Commander <coughs> Kirk is the commander. And then uh, uh, Kirk brings on his 16-year-old son, James, for a little tour. Hmm. And, so you, and I think James gets uh, kidnapped and uh and he has to actually watch a, his dad order somebody that ends up killing him, so he actually sees you know command is not all fun and games there's mm-hmm. actually consequences to every decision you make right so you know he he the guy had to die to save everybody else but that i thought it was kind of, it was a really good good book all right february uh there was another book called the i d i c epidemic uh, I've not read that one it's some uh plague starts taking over uh or killing all these species. The Idic yeah, academic. IDIC. It stands for infinite, infinite diversity, diversity in and infinite combinations. That's it. Right. Which
1: is a Vulcan um a Vulcan thing. Yeah.
0: This book is actually a sequel to another book called The Vulcan Academy Murders. Uh, I've never read either one of them. Mm-hmm. But the uh the plague that's taking that's that's killing every species that it affects kinda of interesting to me. Mm. But uh you know, that, you think of the, the swine flu. Right. And then, you know, if you think about it, once we start meeting other aliens, uh, you know, after first contact. Right, get stuff. Uh, you, you know, and hum, humans stuff. will get stuff, and then aliens will be immune to it, and they'll get stuff that we'll be immune to. You know, again, like it's all real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so uh, all these months, uh, there was uh, issue number 46... 47, 48, uh, 49 of uh, the original series comic was being published by uh, DC Comics, which we'll get around to reviewing hopefully pretty soon. The last thing I want to mention is that April of 88, there was a book called Time for Yesterday by A.C. Yeah. Crispin. Yeah. This was actually uh, part three of uh, what... what I call the Yesterday Trilogy. Mm-hmm. So the first issue was actually an episode of Star Trek called All Our Yesterdays, where Spock and McCoy go back 5,000 oh. years, and then he goes through Ponfar and makes yep. with one of those women. Yep. And, then, and then they came out with a novel called Yesterday's Son. Who is where, Spock's son. Yes, yeah, so Spock finds out through the Guardian of Forever that he has a son. I got that
1: on your book. Yeah.
0: And then uh, The Time for Yesterday, which is this one, which is another good one, where this time... Uh, in part two, Spot go, again goes back in time, finds out he has a son, but this time the son comes back into the future mm-hmm. because uh, you know cause he's half Vulcan. He's he somehow has lived where everybody else that uh, all his his mom and everybody else has died. Mm-hmm. So he's like almost like the last person on this planet. Uh. And, and then Spot brings him to the future so that he can have a life. Right. And then I don't want to give it away, but uh, <laughs> things it's, happen. It's actually pretty good, and there's actually a, a good little talk where spock doesn't want uh him to tell everybody who who his father is and of course the son thinks that you're ashamed of me because you had me out of wedlock for lack of a better term and then spock goes oh no it's not it's not that i'm ashamed of you he's i'm ashamed i don't i'm ashamed of uh he's like i don't want you to have uh some stigmata on you so i I can't remember it's been a while but somehow in vulcan society um the parent isn't looked bad in, in that kind of situation it's the the child, for whatever reason, has looked bad in that mm. type of situation. Mm. So I, I can't remember. I'm sure I'm butchering it up. and But it's a really good book. You'll enjoy it if you ever read it. All right. And then uh, just in as far as uh, what's going on outside of comic books and books, uh, obviously we were knee-deep in uh, the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. So when this comic book came out, uh, we were just getting to the episode The Big Goodbye, which I think is the first Dixon Hill episode. Mm-hmm. And then when that last issue came out uh, was uh, the same month that Skin of Evil aired, which was ah, where the N-R. Yard dies. So kind of interesting. So it's, it was just quick how fast she uh, got written out. Exactly. But she gets to come back. And I really like uh, the Celia character, uh, her daughter in the future, mm-hmm. or her daughter in the alternate timeline. Right. Well, however you want to look at it. I really like her character. I thought, I thought that was a really cool way to bring Denise Crosby back. Cool. All right. So next week, or whenever we do this again, next episode. <laughs> next episode. Uh, we have gone a couple weeks uh, between episodes due to the Christmas vacation. But uh, next episode, we will do the last three of this mini series, so that we can just get the, the these six issues out of the way, and then uh, the, we'll try to tackle something Deep Space Nine ish and then yeah. Voyager ish. Jump around. Yep. But I am kind of anxious to get back to Gold Key. I do enjoy those. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Alright, so signing off It's Ken And (laughs) Don
1: And so long everyone Live long and prosper Promise Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review All Star Trek stories and characters Are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated All music, stories, and characters Discussed are for entertainment purposes only You can email us